Hey, this is Ian Babcock, your host of Chat by the Pitch. This week, I had Laura Stark of Stark Strong Performance. Now, this is not a DFW business, but this is a business that is done through video conferencing. And I think this is something that a lot of parents might be interested in because what do our kids do? They run on that pitch and they run a lot. I don't know how many miles you guys read, but anywhere from... I'm trying to remember really quickly, uh, about five to six miles in a normal 90-minute match, an average play roll run. That being said, having the proper performance to run and the proper foundation is so important. So let's start this chat and head to the pitch. Stark. I founded Stark Strong Performance in 2016, where we specialize in speed development and injury prevention for middle and high school athletes. So we help them get faster, prevent injury, jump higher, just perform overall better on their respective field or court. Awesome. So how did you get your start in this? Were you a fellow athlete beforehand or were you just loving the side of science of is it kinesiology or whatever yeah. it's called? Yeah, kinesiology, exercise, science, whatever. <laughs> so I, I grew up playing every sport, but I took track through college. And um, unfortunately, I don't feel like I maximized my track career. And I had a lot of questions that weren't answered. And so I felt like there was always something that like, okay, there's ways to get faster. There's more that I'm not understanding. And when I got into sports performance, which uh, it was just always an interest, um, I was really lucky to be under some very high level coaches, you know, NFL combine, NFL offseason, MLB, NHL, MLS, everything like just amazing coaches. But there was one in particular who's my mentor. And I'll probably end up referring back to him often. His name's Troy, if I say Troy. Um, He's the one who really I resonated most with, like, this is who I am. So all those other coaches that I'm learning under, I'm taking bits and pieces, but with Troy, it's like, Oh no, this is my style. But also all those questions that I had in college that weren't answered, there's, there's answers to them. And it's not just because, you know, I went from college to pro level, but it's because of the way that's training and all those tools I was learning at the pro level. I'm like, no, this is simple stuff. You know, 10 year olds can understand this. And so I wanted to create something that would take those simple, but, but very good tools seen at the pro level and then bring them down to middle high school, any athlete. It's awesome. So you were, you said you were a track runner. So watching your videos you have on YouTube, you have a, is it a YouTube channel? I only see it through Facebook and I just click on the link and I don't really pay attention where it takes me to. So is it a YouTube channel that you run on the um, side with your Facebook page and website? I have a, every platform. YouTube is probably my smallest. That's actually where I started recently being like, well, if I'm posting this every day on Facebook, Instagram, everything else, I might as well throw it on YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter. Like it's so it's everywhere. Um, I would say Facebook and Instagram are a little bit bigger for me, but it coincides with my website. So just a little bit of everywhere. So now having your start in this business and you said you got your start um, working with all these coaches. So I find it very interesting that you worked with, with the Caliban for the NFL and the baseball and all this other stuff. So is that where you started to enjoy the education and teaching side of this? Or is this where you started to realize there's so much more to running than just hitting the track and running? Yeah. So I think I always enjoyed it. I'm in college. I think back to my college career and especially as I got to be an upperclassman, um, I enjoyed wanting to know more. I just didn't have all the resources. So school versus application in like a sports performance facility are very different. So I had, I went to a very, very good school. I had amazing classes and stuff, but it wasn't always exactly to what I do now, which is fine, right? If you're studying anatomy, like you need that base, you're just not going to understand the same as biomechanics. So like biomechanics, class was like probably the best one for me just in terms of where I was going so I always enjoyed that stuff um but I felt like I didn't have the exact resources that I need which is why you have internships and why you get into your job so there was nothing wrong there 
I just felt like I wasn't complete yet. So I had my internship the summer between my junior and senior year. So I wasn't quite done with school. And, and that's when I was working with NFL off season. Um, it was in Houston. It was at the home training facility of Houston dash and Houston dynamo. So there was a lot of, it's a really good, awesome place. Like all these different athletes were in there. Um, so that's when I first got my taste of like, oh, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Came back, finished my senior year, still like seeing myself develop a little bit. I didn't see it at the time. I look back now and I saw it, but a lot of the, the younger athletes on my team would come to me for questions and advice. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know, what are you, 21, 22? I don't know that much, but, but I was trying and I knew more than I did at 20 or 19. So I always enjoyed it, but when I really stepped into the field and especially when I found my mentor, Troy, that's when I was like, okay, this all makes sense. This is what I've been looking for, for, I don't know, five, 10 years, however long it was. That's awesome. So how long was it from the time you graduated to the time you are at now then? Um, eight years ago. Eight years ago. So you came, you came pretty fast into this industry from the, from the looks of it with this process did you start off in a like a clink or a sports rehab facility i have no clue what your degree is in actually so i'm trying to get mm -hmm. to that point so my degree is in exercise science some schools call it kinesiology like you mentioned earlier just to, it's the same degree um i had a minor in coaching i don't know how much that did <laughs> it's a minor um and then i went straight into sports performance facility so i was always in the private sector as opposed to working for a team now, a lot of those facilities are going to have rehab, PT stuff connected to them, but that was never my field. I was always in the performance side. So I might've been around PT, but that's not really where, where I was learning or where I was, you know, that's not really where I was. So did you get into the physical training side or strictly starting to go into what you're doing today? Um, I would say this is physical training. Um, right. I, I, my, my brain is thinking more like you go to the gym and you're lifting weights and being like a personal trainer. This is a specialty uh, in a like specialty. general population versus yes. athletes. Yes. Okay. Always athletes. I, you know, when I first started my business, I, I was 23 and I was new to Florida. I had no connections. I had no money. So, you know, you do a little bit of everything. Um, I never enjoy general population as much. And every once in a while you'll get, um, actually just the other day, I was on a call with a mom and her son and we were just kind of briefly talking about what we offer. And the son wasn't interested in diving into the longer call where we're talking more in depth about our main offer. Now the mom's a marathon runner and she's like, I'm really sad that he's not interested. I would like to know more. And I was like, really, you know, this doesn't make as much sense for you. But we do have something smaller that is more geared towards forward speed. So every once in a while, you'll get, um, you know, a mom athlete or someone here and there that still loves the, the sports science. And we have something that makes sense for them. But I really geared this towards it. I say middle and high school athletes, you know, mostly field and court sport athletes. The reason middle and high school athletes is kind of my bread and butter. Um, underneath that, when it's younger the way that we've developed our program is it's, it's, it requires a lot of commitment. It requires communication. It requires understanding concepts. So under that, you can definitely have results, but you might not be maximized the same way that um, you would with a different program as, you know, as an eight-year-old. And then right. over that, I just find that college age athletes and above are a little bit harder because their schedule is so strict. So I get them every once in a while, but really they have a very good college program. So it's not really our target audience. I love working with them. It's super fun. But um, just in terms of what we offer, I was better able to structure something that really gets results with that middle and high school age. So the ages you start off with starts roughly about 12, you said to me, correct? Yeah, we like 12 to 18 is really our bread and butter. Our, we have a lot of 10-year-olds come in and and knock it out the park like they do so well it requires good communication skills it requires them really wanting to get better you know it's not about me and the parents it's about the kid um right. but at 10 years old it also requires a little bit more of the parents like hey let's make sure that we're on track that we're organized that we're doing everything we need to so under 12 we do get when it comes to eight or nine um there's a little bit more of a conversation to be had about 
where exactly are they and um, is this the right fit for you? Now, how many weeks course do you have then? Typically, the main thing that we do is a 12-week course. 12-week course. And now is it something they can go back? Let's say they're struggling with something. Can they go back and have access to the 12-week course? And once you, once they, I guess, bind to the program and do they have re-access to the 12 weeks forever? Or is it is it constantly improving and changing? So the 12 weeks might change this from this six months to the next six months, or maybe the next year, the progression's changing because science is always changing. So do you guys <laughs> are, are always improving what you're doing and do they have access to it once they jump into the program? Yeah, not so much a black and white answer here. There's a little bit of gray area. No just in terms of the forever access, once you're out of the 12 weeks, technically you don't have access to us or the, the program itself. Cause that's what you're inside of this entire course. So you're out of the course, you don't have access to all of that, but something that we tell our athletes that work with us one-on-one -on -one is like, okay, well, once you're our athlete, you're always our athlete. So use us as a resource, ask questions, ask all these things. And then something we did to combat that because one of my, I think problems is a big word to use, but one of my things that I had while working in person was like, you're so limited with time. And so they come and they train with you for an hour and they get better and then they go on. But there was a lot lacking in terms of education. And then also in terms of how they're able to continue working beyond their time with us. So something that I really wanted to change in this 12 week course was what are they doing when they're outside of these 12 weeks with us? Because it's not enough just to put in 12 weeks. They're going to get better. It's everybody who comes in and does the work, they get better. But what are they doing beyond their time? So we created something called the 13 routine, which essentially you're working with us for 12 weeks. What are you doing week 13 and beyond? So throughout the 12 weeks, we're working together to help them gather the information, the content that they need, not just from us, but from any other coaches so that they have an understanding of if I don't have a coach holding my hand, how am I able to continue working to get better? How can I analyze what I need to focus on and what's going to help me get to those goals? So they don't come out a certified strength and conditioning specialist, of course, but they are coming out better able to critically look at what's going on as opposed to in person, I felt like I was just planning and we would run the session and like, it was great. And then we move on, but there wasn't as much, um, tangible things to take away with them. So do you guys give out lit literature? I know you're always updating your, your, your social medias that you have. Do you give it literature for them that's specific to the athlete then as they're going through the program so they can keep, or is it notes that they have to be taking because this is part of the growing and education process for the athlete that they have to take on the accountability themselves? Both. So there is specific literature that is sports science, right? This is everyone needs to know this stuff. Um, even simple things like we need to be speaking the same language. So day one, before they hit day one, they have homework, they have education, they have entry testing. Um, but if I say hip lift and thigh pop and dorsiflex, you need to understand what I'm talking about because those might not be words that you use in other places. I'm not saying I'm right or someone's wrong. That's, it's just, these are the words we use. You got to be speaking the same language as us. So there is literature and then just understanding, um, our four pillars of running, you know, hip projection, shin angles, all these things that we're going to talk about it, that's important in the general concept. Now, when it comes to the individualization, that's where it's okay, continue taking notes, continue updating your 13 routine, continue figuring out because what you need to work on is unique to you. So let's say, for example, you're sprinting and your shin angles are bad, you have poor hip projection and your foot placement's in the wrong spot. Um, those are things specific to you. So now you need to understand, okay, what am I talking about? What does that mean? My hip projection, my shin angles and my foot, <laughs> like, what does that mean? Why is it wrong? What would be right? How do we go correct those problems? And then how do we translate it into movement? So that's the one-on-one -on -one side of changing things and working with them so that we can go get results as opposed to like, this is the problem, which is more of just like the science literature part. Now for the people in Florida thinking through this process that are close to you, do you guys meet in person or do you guys do it all through Zoom meetings and video recordings and 
everything's been changed to our online program because I found that we were getting such good results here. So we want to keep it, you know, the structure similar, everything we did, you know, in person, that was great, but this is a more organized program that gets better results. So we keep it all the same here. That's awesome. So this goes back to what you were saying is it, when they have it individualized. So when they send you videos of what they're doing and how they're doing it, are you able to give feedback in a 24 hour window or do you, since it's a week, I mean, it takes time to go through video and, and explain and get your notes down. So is it a, we meet on Monday this week, we meet again on Monday and that's when you get your results back from you or do you give it once you have it done? As soon as we have it. So our goal is to always get everything in within two hours. Um, I would say that I'm better than two hours at responding, but sometimes it goes a little bit longer, right? Like if you text me at 11 PM at night, it might only be eight o'clock your time. I'm in bed. I'm not going to talk to you until the next morning. Right? Like that's, and that's totally fine. So our goal is to get you information back as quickly as possible. Sometimes it's going to take more than two hours. You know, it's, it just depends on what's going on. So that's something that we actually stress is the more you give us, the more we can get back. So if you aren't sending in videos, if you aren't answering our questions, asking more questions, then it's harder for us to help you. But the more that you do that, and we're going to facilitate it, we're going to ask questions, we're going to tell you to send specific stuff in. And, you know, we have almost daily things that we want from you. So we'll facilitate it. But if you don't respond and engage in these conversations, you're not going to get the same results as somebody who, who actively engages in it. Um, mm -hmm. You'll get results just by doing the work, but if you want the one on one side, which is what you signed up for, let's talk. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that's a conversation that we have before. And luckily we attract a very dedicated athlete. So we get this a lot of what, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is why you said 12 years up. That's a lot. I don't think my nine-year-old could be that interactive. I mean, my son has a lot of questions. He'll ask a lot of questions, but he's nine and he does nine-year-old boy things. I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And uh, that's okay. Which is why we're not always the best fit for nine-year-olds. And to be honest, we're not the best fit for every 15, 16 year old either. It just, it comes back to who's looking for that depth. Um, and quite frankly, we actually throw our athletes in the fire. You know, we're always going to guide them to the answer, but instead of you sending in a video and I say, okay, like I said earlier, okay, your hip projection, your, your standing angles, like, if I tell you, you're not really going to learn, but if I push you and I guide you to go find the answers that I would have told you, you're going to learn it better. You're going to understand it better. So again, it takes that commitment of the athlete and it's, it's hard, honestly, because I think society and school and these kids, they want to be right. And in school, you're technically punished when you're wrong, right? Instead of an A, you got to be like, it's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but again, that's what they're used to. And so they feel like they need to get right answers. And so something that we work against is like, I don't care. Like I love wrong answers because it shows me you're trying. I didn't learn this stuff until I was out of college. I don't expect you to know it now, but we're going to go find the answer together. I'm going to tell you where to look if you can't get it. And, and eventually I'll just tell you like, if you need to, so we're going to get you the right answer from what's in my head, but let's see where your head's at first. And let me help you do that on your own without me. So when you're going through the 13 weeks program and you're communicating as we you need from the athlete and building upon it every week, do you see, I call it, I call it the zigzag line for um, growth. Every athlete will over their career will have, I like the one I saw recently had loopy loops in it. Like that's athletes performance. Do you guys see a quick improvement plateau, quick improvement with this type of stuff, or is it a gradual or is it, every athlete is unique and that slope might change throughout the process. That's 13 weeks. Right. Um, it could change, but typically because we're so actionable right away, it's typically everyone's numbers are going up evenly throughout the 12 weeks. Uh, it doesn't, might not be even, they might have a bigger improvement in four weeks than in eight weeks, but it's always improving. Um, the reason is just because of how we focus on what we focus on. So if I had them for a year, I would actually expect numbers to go up and down. Like years are different because you're, you're going through the course of, 
of a season. So I think conditionings, we don't do a lot of conditioning. That's not really our goal. Um, but conditioning is kind of the easiest example for me to use. Preseason, you work really hard, you get super fit, and you come into, let's say, August, the first month of the season, you're like, you're so fit. Now you need to go focus on some more technical stuff, right? If you're a soccer player, now we need to focus more on the soccer skills, on the game strategy, on all these things. Your fitness is going to decrease a little bit. And throughout the course of the season, as you focus on other things, fitness decreases. That's okay. That's totally normal. So there would be some more like up and downs. You know, obviously we're looking for, is everything continuing to go up? But in terms of the 12 weeks, typically they're just not typically, actually every time I'm looking, I have the stats, we have the testing to, to show it. They're always going up. Sometimes, you know, acceleration might go up more than change of direction. Sometimes change of direction might go up more than acceleration. So it's just a matter of like, okay, let's look at these testing numbers and tell me what you see. Is your acceleration better than your top end speed? The improvement wise is right. What are we finding from this? But um, I would say it's a little too short to have a plateau. Even six months might show us more of a little bit of like, okay, plateau breakthrough. Gotcha. So you go through this change. So I'm assuming everything builds week upon week. Yes. For, for improvement. So it's like the first week might be, I'm just going to throw an idea out there because I have no clue. And I don't need to give me your special sauce on how you do all this. Mm -hmm. um, is first fixing form, then working on, because in order to improve, you have to fix the form, then you work on speed and agility, or do you guys work through a conscious process of building this program? Or is it, does it change depending on the athlete then, or the, what they do? Yeah, it's going to change depending on who they are. I would say a very normal progression, which we kind of start with normal progressions. And then the one-on-one -on -one side comes in with like, okay, how do we meet, need to meet you where you're at best right now? So in terms of a normal progression, you know, doing something for one week is really not enough to get some change. So we're going to start with, you know, the first week, like it's going to be a phase. So it might be four weeks and then we're going to add some progressions onto it for the next four weeks and add some progressions onto it. And, and we don't have just one program. So let's say that you are with us for six weeks or six months. Um, now, what would be different there is maybe in the first 12 weeks, we were really focused on understanding form, on correcting it, on, on moving efficiently. Now, once you're moving efficiently, it's time to add some power, some explosion, a little bit of like more oomph to your movement. Again, it's not always that black and white. It can have some gray area. I'm still using explosion in the first three months. I'm still using form in the second three months. So there's a mixture of everything depends on where the athlete's at and what they need to focus on. But our philosophy is always movement efficiency first and then having the different um, like explosion and, and results there in terms of strength and power and, and outputs in that way. Now, again, if our population was college pro, that might change. They still need to touch on the form stuff. They still need to be moving efficiently, but they might be better movers um, than who we work with. And, and to be honest, like I've had, I've had a little bit of everything. I have some kids come in who are just like, oof, like we can do anything and you're going to get better just because you need to do anything. And then I've had some athletes, I would say the most notable one, he was actually just, um, I think he was 16 at the time when he came in and he was just getting ready to go overseas to Germany to start like getting into the system and, and playing over there for the year. And we saw him move one time and I was like, okay, well, he's way better than I am. He can't do this. We need to make him do something else because he's good at this. So what can we do to still educate, work on form, but he really needs explosion and power. And then as a soccer athlete, he needs that chaos of any field and court sport. So there's the unpredictability, the shoving, the pushing, the, the extra things that someone who can't run straight doesn't need to focus on yet. Right. So you said you had multiple programs. So what type of programs do you have your 12 week program? Do you have a series of programs for a year then? Or longer? Yeah. yeah. So, so typically like 12 weeks is what we do. So whether it's, you know, like that first one where we're really building a base or another one where we're adding 
explosion onto it or kind of what I just touched on there. We have a chaos program, which is for super advanced athletes. Like, okay, how do we add chaos and make it more realistic to your sport? Um, so it just depends on where the athlete's at, but I would, typically it's 12 weeks. We can make any adjustments within those 12 weeks that the athlete needs. That's, that's very cool because as a parent that has a young athlete, like my big concern with my son is if you look at him, you look at his legs, you would think that we take him out back and hit him with a stick in his legs every day. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's a soccer player and he's bruised. He gets stepped on, he gets knocked down, he gets kicked. And I mean, it's, it's the trend. If you see all the face, social media, it's like, my kid's a soccer player. Tell me how it's like, you just take a picture of their legs and they're all right. bruised. <laughs> right. And my big concern, even though he's only nine, is an ACL or is it a meniscus tear in his knee? And it's like, I know how hard it is talking to other athletes, pro athletes, college athletes, to come back from that psychologically, not just physically. Oh. And this leads to my question. In those 12 weeks, do you build up a, a give them tools to work on strengthening those knee joint, the knees, the hips? the ankle muscles. So these injuries, like you said earlier, you guys work on prevention, happen less or teach them how to stretch differently. So it works on helping them be more limber or quick because when you have add that muscle net explosion, create a mm -hmm. chance for an injury. So yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely something that we do. And no matter what our athletes goals our goal is always going to be injury prevention. So if you come to me and you say, I just want to get faster. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I need you to be healthy. It doesn't matter how fast you are, how good you are at your sport or whatever. I need you to be healthy first. Now, the cool thing is, and most people don't know this, is when you train injury prevention, you're really killing two birds with one stone. Because if you train it correctly, you should be building a base that allows you to be faster, jump higher, perform better, as well as stay healthier. So essentially your job as an athlete is to produce and absorb force. So produce force could be run fast, jump high, kick hard, absorb force is the opposite. Stop on a dime, land correctly, take a hit, whatever that is. So injuries happen on force absorption movements, whether that's over time, you're doing too much, very, very common, <laughs> or one bad step, one bad hit, one bad impact. Now, we can train force absorption movements in a couple different ways. Number one, like you said, we need to be strong. And we talk about building a base from the ground up and from the inside out. So what that means is from the ground up, I literally need your foot to be strong. Then your ankle, your knee, your hip, your spine, all the way up. Everything starts with how you touch the ground. Throw in for soccer, you know, swinging a baseball bat, a quarterback. If their foot slips, the result is not going to be good. It all starts at their foot. And then from the inside out, it's about, you know, having a strong body, but it's not just muscles, it's tissues and ligaments and tendons and everything that's going to hold it in place. So we don't just need to be strong, but we also need to be able to absorb force. So working things that do force absorption, throwing in deceleration or stopping movements, understanding how to move through space in three dimensions and put yourself in technically the dangerous positions that you're going to be at on the field or court. And so again, when you do that, you're staying healthier, you're minimizing that chance of, of injury happening in that situation, whether it's over time or one bad step, but you're also getting faster because now the sooner you stop, the sooner you go, right? Right. Yeah. The more force that your body can absorb, the more force it can safely and efficiently produce. Gotcha. So that taking that shoulder to shoulder hit and having that quick step out to absorb it and teaching the body to, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, right. I mean, there's more than just that, but it's like watching kids. It's like my son is um, 72 pounds. He's nine years old. And it's funny because last year when we were, he was playing two years up, a kid that was almost a foot taller than him, they went 50, 50 for the ball. And the kid that was a foot taller, is the kid that was on the ground and the parents are all upset. Like there's a foul and the rest like, no, it's 50, 50. I mean, I'm sorry, but his, his hit might be at his shoulder. Right. <laughs> 50, 50 doesn't mean same. Like it's not. Right. Class. Um, and yeah. It's interesting. And it's, I mean, I come from a wrestling background. That was my sport in high school. So I worked with my son at a very young age on how to push body. 
yeah. you push and give and you learn how to to move your body so the opponent might fall and it's not your fault it's just a natural movement and it's nothing you can do you push push then you let go and things like that and you're talking about preventing injuries from that so how do you i know that you release these videos and i've seen them like the can people really take what you put online as part of your course and get some general ideas what you're doing then because this is just expanding based on yeah what you what you do every day i mean i see on your social media you guys are pretty, you're you're putting out at least one content a day on everything and um and there's that yeah um well so before i answer that question i actually like the 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 example of the body to body there you know like number one he has to stay healthy right you're going up against someone who's a foot taller than you you can't just stop you still got to go for the ball right so you got to be able to take the hit but also from the performance standpoint, once you get shoved off and the kid who's bigger, he's going to, he's going to get a little repercussion of that shove. Not as much, but some, right. you need to be able to get your foot back under your hips and continue moving. So how can you stay on your feet? How can you quickly absorb it and then redirect that energy and, and produce force again? So that, okay, that 50, 50 ball, that's still there. We took the hit now. Like I'm still battling for it. The battle's not over. Right. And that's, that's, a, that's where a lot of knee injuries happen and, yeah. or they're in the corner fighting for the ball and moving around and they get kicked in the behind the leg. And I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, now switching over to basketball, um, a sport that I'm not the greatest at, but do you guys work with, I mean, I feel like all the mechanics are similar. I would assume maybe I'm wrong for each sport or do they change drastically from sport to sport for you guys? Not drastically. And again, especially field and court sport at sports are going to be very similar. Now the focuses might be different, you know, a goalie versus a field player in soccer also has a little bit different performance needs. Um, I would say like football and lacrosse football, it's really dependent on position, but you know, you get a DB, a receiver, like that's going to be more similar to soccer. Lacrosse is going to be very similar to soccer. A lot of those movements are going to be the same basketball kind of volleyball too they're very similar they change a little bit their stuff is going to be more short distances especially volleyball where you really play your you know your position basketball you do too but you're using the whole court you're moving around like you're not the setter who goes from this position to this position right <laughs> yeah so so there are little changes and 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 needs that they have um so it just depends a little bit on that but you know again the sports science is going to remain the same there that's that's fascinating to me that's fascinating because i don't have a great understanding of it so <laughs> as as we're going through this as your your 12-week program um you finish up and you get there you see results now do they do you normally have customers that come back maybe the, in a year to come back and start working on it again i mean there's nothing bad with repeat customers because kids grow they change I mean especially the age groups that you're working with I mean right. I, I love watching the kids that are playing out in the pitch and they don't know how to move their body right 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 no we do get a lot of repeat and I forgot to answer your other question earlier we need to come back to that one with the social media post but to answer this question um some of our athletes start the next program right away so you finish the 12 weeks maybe we take a week or two off um, and they start right away. Some of them might start in a month. Some of them might start six months later. I have another athlete who was like, okay, this is something that we want to do every single year in the fall, which is when she personally has that time to focus on it. So there's going to be a little, every, little bit of everything. And there's some athletes who are like, I worked really hard for 12 weeks. Like now I need to just, I need to keep building off of my 13 routine and that's totally fair because we actually do ask a lot of our athletes and they do get better. So if they continue working on that stuff. They'll be able to continue getting better. So they finish their 12 weeks. They take a break. Do you have another 12 week program builds upon this one then? Correct. That's pretty cool. So does that, does it get more complex, so to speak? So you, it's the same, I would assume the same responsibility level, but the intensity level might change then? Yeah. Structure wise, it's going to be very similar. And it's not, again, it's not always black and white. So where your, you know, nine-year-old soccer side might start might be different than the 18-year-old goalkeeper because their performance needs are a little bit different. 
So typically speaking, let's say you start with like our main program. Yes, they would like kind of flow into the next one. Now, as you're flowing into these programs, let's say they add, um, do you guys have like a, is it part, do you guys give like a weight, like a work, like a workout routine for them to hit the weight room or is this on top of that then? Well, there's going to be strength and stability built in throughout the program. Um, we try to keep it very simple in terms of like equipment needed and access to different places. So it's, it's simple, but there's always wiggle room to allow more or to help them a little bit more on the weight room side of things. Again, your nine-year-old son versus the 18-year-old goalkeeper yeah. for college, we might have a little bit of different goals. So it's all built in and, and it's not quite the black and white answer there again. That's why I'm asking something like yeah. as you get moved to like 16, 17 year old kids that need to have the, the, the weight room time to build yeah. the muscle mass, they need to do the role, whatever it is on the, 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 the turf, we can call it. And that's why I'm asking, because what do you work with there? If they had a personal trainer, would you help work with their personal trainer to incorporate proper weight techniques that would help them through their process here? Because I know that they can deviate in courses because when you're right. building muscle mass, it's completely different when you're building right. strength and, and um, ad, ad, being agile. Let's put it right. The right yeah. Word. So again, our thing is always movement, movement efficiency. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, can we push the weights a little bit more? Can we push X, Y, and Z? Number one, you need to be moving quickly. If they have other coaches, you know, we've had other, um, some that have different coaches here and there. And it's like, okay, well, like, we're happy to connect with them. The more that you get your team working together, the more it can play in your favor. Cause maybe there's things that we need to change and adjust on our end to fit your overall goal program schedule, whatever it is, because you like, we're not the only person you're working with. You have a sports team, you have whatever other coaches, like there's a lot going on. And so it's not always just about us. So do you guys, let's say I'll use, I'll use a soccer player. Cause that's where my, my area is. You, would you would you reach out to if the coach reached out to you and asked like what are you doing to my athlete would you give them a I'll call it a thirty thousand foot view of what you're trying to do with the athlete to explain like hey like this is what I'm doing to for this this athlete this is how I'm trying to help them do you have any questions or concerns or do you leave it solely up to the player to make the communication then um. I, I guess I don't completely understand your question. Like if the athlete came to, or if the coach came to me, um, I guess it depends on the situation. Again, I'm not totally following. So let's say the, the coach came to me and wanted to know what I'm doing. Happy to share whatever. I, I guess I would need to understand more about where their head's at. What are you asking? What are you needing? Now you as his or her coach, what are your goals for them? What do you see that they need? What do you x y and z yeah that's that's the thing it's i know that my son has had private coaches and they've reached out to um the coach to find out what they do as a team and what they need what they think they need for the player to improve on okay and that's where i'm going with this it's trying okay. to figure out and you answered the question perfectly so thank you um dealing with that do you ever do like whole teams at once or is this just truly an individual one person, one person at a time type thing. If a, if a, if a group of parents came to you, like as a team, so I was like, mm -hmm. we want you to come work with our players. Mm -hmm. Do you do it as an individual basis or do you do it as a whole team? We can have a team as well. Um, it's more complicated. So there's more doors open with an individual. It's very easy, right? I talk to the athlete. I talk to the parents. We figure out what we want to do with a team. Typically it's more of I'm talking to the coach and I'm helping the coach lead something. Now, let's say all 15 athletes wanted to work one-on-one, -on -one, we can totally work something out. Um, it just, it depends on what they're looking for. So again, the one-on-one -on -one stuff is very unique. It's very involved. It's very hands-on commitment-wise. Um, when you're working with a team, sometimes you'll lose a little bit of the one-on-one -on -one stuff and the tailoring, but you you can meet the team where they're at. It's, you know, it's working with the coach to help them. So when I'm talking to a coach or a club director or an athletic director, like someone who's in charge of multiple people, the conversation can change. Of course, we offer the one-on-one, -on -one, but um, 
as you, it seems like you can tell, this is not for everyone. So when I get a whole team, right. there's typically going to be like one to five of them who would actually be a good fit for the one-on-one -on -one mentorship, where sometimes just a team training might be better if the coach leads it. And we kind of take the avenue of like, here's the team program. You can customize it. I'm going to help you out, figure out like as a coach, but you lose a little bit of the catering from us to each one of the individual athletes on the team. Yes. No, I totally can see that. I mean, I mean, you can't cater a program to 24 kids on a roster if you're doing a high school team or 11 v 11 where there might be 18 kids on a roster. But going right. to the coach now, this might be a future planet. Do you guys do like a certification program for a coach to come in and say like, I got certified to start performance and here's my credentials to help your athlete to be better. And it's like, and they have the continuing ed education process for you guys then. I love that. It's been a conversation and an idea, nothing official yet, but we've got, we just started getting our feet wet with, with a little bit of that minus like the official credentials and the CECs and whatever there. So um, what I found was that I had a lot of, especially soccer coaches who came to me and wanted to know more about what we taught. And I think it's amazing, but I also recognize that just as I'm not a soccer coach and I don't understand the depth and I never will understand the depth of these soccer coaches, you're not a speed, agility, strength, conditioning, whatever coach, and you're not going to have my full depth. So, and you're not really looking for that, right? It's another full-time job. Right. So how can I create something that takes the education I know and give them as much as possible without having that other full-time job. And again, they only have so many hours in the day. They have to do soccer skills. They have to do everything. So I just actually this year came up with, um, it's called Stark Strong EDU. Now what that is, it's uh, 13 to 16, I forget how many uh, courses. Some of them could be 30 minutes. Some of them could be 15 minutes. They, they have different slideshows and stuff that, that go over our philosophy when coaching, when programming, when doing whatever, so that they can understand what we're talking about. So number one, it's going to get them some knowledge, but then number two, as they transition into teaching our program to their athletes, they have a little bit more understanding of like, how did this come about? Because everything we do has a reason. There's no, there's nothing that is in there that doesn't have a goal or a purpose. And so we wanted to be able to help these, these coaches as much as possible. That's awesome. I look at it because my son plays club soccer and he's played, he's played for, my daughter plays for a small one. My son plays for a large one. And uh -huh. it's very fascinating. And I have connections here that are like one of my friends I talk to on a regular basis. He is a nutritionist, but he also mm -hmm. coaches. And so that's his big side of his coaching is teaching kids how to properly eat. Right. Now, that being said, I, my whole train of thought is, do you talk about nutrition when you talk about um, speed and performance? Because at the end of the day, what you eat dictates your speed and performance in my mind. I can only imagine um, on a micro level how much it changes as you learn about this, the more you dive into it. So do you give recommendations to help with that and things they can eat and on a dietary side of things? We tend to stay in our lane when it comes to the performance side. So, you know, we know what we're good at. We know what we're qualified to teach. I'm not registered as a dietitian or a nutritionist or whatever. So my philosophy is like, okay, well, I'm not stupid, but either are you, right? <laughs> so there's, there is a, like, we're happy to have that conversation, but it's not going to go too deep just because if you're looking for specific help, then that's where you need to go. You need to find someone who specializes in that. Just yeah. like oftentimes people go to soccer coaches trying to get quicker and faster and they can have drills and they can have whatever. It's typically not going to be as in depth as our program that that's what we do. So, um, I do stay in my lane a little bit more with that. And I think that you can cross a point you like, if, if you try to do too much, you can cross some dangerous points. Um, nutrition, that is really important. I don't want to give any advice. That's not good. And then even more importantly, with injuries and stuff, when there's an existing injury, when there's an existing problem, I'm not your person. I am not an athletic trainer. I am not a physical therapist. I am not a doctor. I am not the one who can be telling you what to do and how to take care of it. Now, once you get cleared and once you have certain things, 
I know how to go back in and the doctor says, you need to strengthen your glute medes and your posterior chain, blah, blah, blah. I can help you with that. But I'm never going to diagnose someone because number one, it's against the law. <laughs> number two, that's just not what I'm good at. I'd rather give you stuff that I'm good at and I know I can do. So you want to take them and build them versus diagnose. Like your diagnosis is, like you said, how your foot hits the ground and your shin position, your hip position and chin position, shoulders. and Right. So as I we're going around enough to oftentimes think I know what the problem is. And then they go talk to someone and that's the problem. But I, I cannot tell you that's the problem. I can tell you, let's cut it. You need to go talk to them, get back to us. And maybe you'll be cleared right away. Maybe you're good to still train, but let's make sure with somebody who can do that. Now with injuries, do you help? You said that once you, they get cleared, you help rebuild those muscles. Do you have specific programs for families? Like my, my child tore the ACL, they're having this surgery done to fix it. Do you have programs to help them rebuild the muscles they need to build and the tendons and strengthen them along the way? So it's not just the 12 weeks, but here is a six-week program or a three-week program that's very intense to help you learn to readjust what has mm -hmm. happened. That's where the gray area comes in. So actually, you know, what they need to do is very similar to what we're doing to teach athletes to prevent it in those 12 weeks. Now, maybe they need to go in and focus on X, Y, Z things a little bit more. Maybe we have them um, do extra reps. Maybe we have them cut down this part, you know, like there's things that they need to, it depends on where they're at, but oftentimes the same things that we're doing with our normal healthy athletes are the same things that they need to get back out and do work on one step deceleration, bring it into movement, eventually bring it into three dimensions. Each one of those is a very next level that seems totally normal. You do this every day, a hundred times on the field in 30 minutes, right? But you don't think about it. And so you need to slow it down. You need to train it. And just like I would with a healthy one, the um, ones coming back from an injury need to do that as well. Are they ready to go three dimensions right away? Maybe not, probably not. But how do we get them to that point so that they can get on the field? Because before you're on the field, you need to be able to do these movements. For my sanity, you say three dimensions. I'm thinking one thing. It might be something else. But can you explain that really quickly? Yes. <laughs> so forward is one dimension, right? Sideways, up, down, turning around. So there's there's different planes of motion, and we need them to work in all three. So track is is it's not one dimensional, but it's more like we're just moving forward. It's pretty black and white, versus any other field and court sport you're going to have to stop. You're going to have to turn. You're going to have to go. Your body's in funny positions and in weird angles. And then all of a sudden you get pushed and you have to stop over here. So that's what I mean by three dimensions is working through all planes of motion. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's what I assumed, but you never know. Um, <laughs> no, and never... somebody else has the same question. So thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm going to hop back. So social media. Yes. Oh, yes. We uh, never covered that never came back to that so yeah. with the social media side you you are always posting at least one to two videos a day i yeah. swear <laughs> and can they take those and actually build upon it or is it just snippets snippets of your program so people get an idea of what you're trying to do those are snippets of our ideas education philosophy programs whatever um, there's not a lot of structure to that. Again, with social media, it's get, get it out, help people. People do find value in there. I get messages all the time where they're trying out our drills, which I love. There's no structure. There's no organization. It's not a program. You're not getting the one-on-one -on -one feedback. So although going through my Instagram or Facebook or whatever might give you more understanding because it's kind of like, it's going to be my thoughts all together. So there's some sort of connection versus like Googling or YouTubing like this and then this and then this and then this and just picking it out everywhere. So there's going to be some structure there, but it's not like a, a true program. Gotcha. I just ask because I find some of them very fascinating that you've had up and I, you have to do this before you learn how to do that. And yeah. <laughs> different motions learning how to do. Um, answers to social media. So as, as they wrap up your program, yes. do you have like a conclusion program, like you have the 13 week, if you call it 13 week, I didn't write it down. 13 routine. 13 routine. As they go through that and getting ready for that, is there a, they don't have you 24 seven, so to speak, mm -hmm. because they aren't doing the 12 week program, but they can, can they reach out periodically and ask questions and get feedback on stuff? Or is it, 
I know most most common sense things is that you don't just leave your customers hanging because they can't come back. But do can they reach out if they have a question and they send you a video? Will you guys give them feedback on it, or will you ask them to maybe try something else with you guys if that's if that's where they're heading? Both or neither or whatever. Well, never neither, but both or and or. Um, so it just depends on what they're asking. You know, again, we encourage our people, especially the ones that we work with one on one. That's where we give a lot of our time and energy. They're giving us their time and energy. So we want to give them ours in return. Now, someone who doesn't work with us one-on-one or has just done our lower program, unfortunately, we can't extend that to everyone. I would love to be able to, but at that point, it wouldn't be fair because we'd be spreading ourselves too thin. We're not helping the people that are there to be helped. So any of our one-on-one athletes, we encourage them, come back, like, let me know what's going on. If it's a here and there, like, sure, like, let me help you. Hey, remember this draw that we did together? Maybe you need to go in and think about doing that some more. Um, If it's something that they're like, okay, well, my next goal is this thing. And it's like, okay, well, should we explore working together in the next 12 weeks? So it just depends on what they're looking for and what they want. Um, We always want to help them with whatever we can And something that I love hearing is like when they come back and they share wins, you know, I made this team, I scored six goals. I did like whatever I did, like we want to hear what's going on. We don't just want them to come back with questions, but we want them to come back with like updates and stuff too, because we work really closely for 12 weeks and and they're important to us. So now you say we, and I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm picking up on this. I'm slow here. Um, How many of are you within your, within start, start performance? So there are seven coaches underneath me currently. Um, Each of our athletes is placed with myself plus another coach. So it's me and the other coach. Actually, I was going to say this earlier. One of my coaches is certified as a nutritionist or dietitian or something. And so she's somebody who could have a little bit deeper conversations. I forgot to say that earlier. Um, As a program, I don't advertise that because that's just not what we do. Um, but yes, there are seven coaches underneath me. So each one of our athletes comes in there with myself plus the other coach. That's awesome. So will you just be there in the background giving guidance and little snippets that the, the other coach might miss? Or do you guys work in tandem on, okay, we have this meeting with this athlete this week, and then this is, this is what I think we need to be doing. And the other coach might say, this is what I'm seeing with this athlete. And you guys meet in the middle and give the information. Or do you guys both take your own road so to speak with the athlete that kind of intertwines or crosses over each other trying to give them the best results as possible Mm -hmm. so we're trying to get them the best results possible and and i we do a good job of working well together what i try to do is kind of like okay they're the head coach i'm the assistant coach um because i wear a little bit more hats i'm also i'm leading the team i'm helping the coaches as well So we do a good job of working together. We're always talking. I really try and like, okay, like this is your head coach and I'm here for whatever we need, but we, we work together. If there's ever any discrepancies, like we can have that conversation. I I can't even think of an example to tell you where it's like, okay, well, what do we need to do in this situation? Every once in a while, there's something small. Usually it's more about schedules than, (laughs) than anything else. That's the only discrepancies I can think of, which is an easy fix. Um, but we can have the conversations alone or with the athlete in terms of like, okay, what's the best next step or how do we best fix this? And then something that I think is important is to let my coaches own their style. So just because I would do one thing, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. Maybe it's the right thing for me and that athlete, but maybe what the other coaching coach is doing is the right thing for them and that athlete or maybe I have it all wrong and I'm not giving the athlete what they need to hear even though other 10 athletes needed to hear that same thing but this athlete needs to hear it a different way and the other coach can come in so it's kind of nice having a couple styles and that answers back to currency to my next question is I am an advocate of my child my both my kids to have multiple voices talking Mm -hmm. to them and coaching them because like you said, you may explain it one way and the athlete doesn't need to hear it that way. Right. The other coach may explain it another way. So do you try to line up the coach to the athlete that you're talking to, or is it just a matter of scheduling? Or you might have two or three coaches that might work well with this type of personality. And I'm going to try to get this coach with that one 
and I'll try to work with like placing the right coach with the right athlete type thing. Yeah. I find that my coaches are, I mean, they're all unique and different and super special, but they're similar. Right. And very rarely would someone not be a good fit for an athlete. Every once in a while, I'll have a better, better one. Um, There's some people who come in and love the female side because there's not a lot of female coaches and sometimes they want another female coach. Um, Sometimes there's some boys that might want another male coach too. It like, it, it doesn't matter that much, you know, kind of depending on where they're at, we'll do our best to line them up, but I, I don't feel like there's ever been a bad (laughs) match with anyone, which is nice. I just asked because I thought it was hilarious. One of the coaches recently gave me the example of training kids. And he goes, I might coach this kid and say one thing. And this other coach comes in and says it exactly the same thing and changes one word. Right. And the kid gets, gets it like that. And all, yep. all of a sudden they're off, off doing the task at hand. And that's why I asked, because I feel like your connection with the individuals is so important in this from the sounds of it, because you do spend 12 weeks. It's very broken down, not just emotion, more emotionally, because it's a psychological connection. Then you go out and do the physical side of, of it as the athlete. How do you train your, your coaches then? Like, do you ask them, I know you aren't just picking anyone that signs up. You probably have an expensive resume, like process of interviewing, having them work out with people and trying them out. But how do you go about picking these coaches then for your for the, for, for the performance side of everything, because it's so yeah. unique. It, it's tough. And especially just because it is an online model, it's not as good for learning as a coach um, compared to something that you have to be hands-on and you can make like instant corrections. So it's, it's tough. I'm looking for someone with some experience. Um, number one, I'm looking for good people. And that's something that I can't teach. And that's something that I feel is really special is like all of my coaches are like they're better people than I am. Like I know, I know anybody you're with, you think I'm nice, they're way nicer than me. So, so that's something that's really important. Do they care about the athlete? Are they willing to, to work for these athletes? Um, and then from like the coaching side, it's, you know, what is their background? What do they know? I can teach them things. Um, and we work really closely to, to continue there. But I also, I'm looking for a little bit of like, okay, well, I've done X, Y, and Z and, and are they coachable? Are they someone easy to talk to? Are they someone I can communicate and work well with as well? Do you give them constant feedback and do you guys give feedback to each other then on how to improve the program then? Because like I said, this, this is probably ever changing because science is always changing. I mean, I use computers because that's, part of what I do with work is every four months, computers age. I mean, a lifespan of every four months, every three months, the lifespan of a computer ages four times in a year. So is it, that's how fast technology advances. Do you find that as technology gets better, is your program allowed to improve pretty quickly then? So when you do something next year with you, it might be, it might be slightly the same, but it might be drastically different then. I don't think there's going to be drastic changes. I don't think I'm aging quite as fast as, as your computers. Um, there is always changes. I would say, especially in the first year of switching to this online 12 week change, it's like, Oh, we can add this. We can add this. We get like, it's just seemed like it was addition after addition after addition, like of just more things that we can do to make it better. Uh, we do have these conversations. I am always asking also the parents and the athletes, like what could have been different? What could have been changed to, you so it's a conversation that we always have at the end of the day like I have created a a solid program that gets results so the changes really come from the one-on-one side of things so once you start going through the steps now we know what needs to happen and change different whether that is science changing or whether that is um your needs changing that's like the one-on-one side thing more so I would say so everything is very tailored. Once once you hit the one-on-one, everything is very tailored to the athlete specific from your 45-minute phone call that you have with them. So now, as they're going through this and they're getting your coaches and they're wrapping it up, and let's say they're doing their their 13th, they are going through the motions, and next year they come back, and their goals are identical to the year before. Is that a 
warning sign to you as going through this just because you don't see the athlete improving or is it do you think that's the mentality that the athlete has because they're not seeing them now um, I, I guess it depends like are their goals still the same in terms of they're continuing to performance in general is something that can always be improved on right so maybe you're still trying to maximize results trying to capitalize and you know just you see your potential um it's not necessarily a red flag now if they've gone backwards and things and and where i would say a more a bigger issue would be is if i start talking to you again and certain things that you should know right what are the four pillars of running what am i talking right. about All these things if you don't know that why did you forget everything what have you done that's more of an issue to me than um having those same goals because again like i use the example of preseason conditioning right there's times in the season to be coming back in and focusing on skills versus conditioning versus performance versus all these things. So if you're coming to me a year later and you, you want to go back in and touch on these, it doesn't mean that you didn't do your job. It doesn't mean that you didn't grow. It doesn't mean these things. It might just mean that we're looking to take the next step and level it up some more. Gotcha. A little bit more held accountable. So like you said, they, do you ever reach back out to clients then at like a year from now asking how they're doing and how, how the performance is Mm -hmm. continuing and following up mm -hmm. i mean i know that's just good business sense but also it's, it's compassion which i feel is so important when it comes to coaching right so you, um, so you follow up and um do you give them some advice in that moment moment of time or do you just leave it as it is and let them make make their choice of what their their path they're on depends on how the conversation goes right if it's a quick, like, we're good. Thanks for checking in. I'm going to hit you up in six months. Like if, if it's something clear that like, we're good, we'll talk in a little bit. Like, okay, cool. They know the doors are open, whether they want to talk to us for questions or if they want to join again, right. Doors are open. Um, if they are asking about, okay, what can be done for X, Y, and Z? Like, okay, well, you can do these things that your athlete should know because we talked about this. Or if you want to explore working together, it just it just depends on like, what are they looking for? They they know how everything works. And so it's pretty easy to kind of like, hey, here's, here's options. What do you want? <laughs> awesome. What advice would you give athletes and parents to help them have their athletes better perform? I know we, we've talked about what you do in your program but outside of that, I mean, is it, what advice would you give them to help their athletes perform better? Outside, like how could they better perform? Um, I would say the biggest thing is, is just like slowing stuff down and understanding movement. So it drives me crazy to see people out there and they set up a million cones and they're going through these like, like obstacle courses <laughs> like that's not getting them better so slow things down like take a deeper look try to go deeper into movement and it's not just what I do with you know moving around and moving your body but even just in terms of soccer skills so you could say the same thing there's someone who's just going to work on one stuff and they're going to go really deep into that as opposed to like let's touch all of these areas and we're going to see how many everything we can do and it's like yeah quantity right like repetition is important just like with what we do we need to get reps in but it needs to be quality so go deeper into whatever you're looking at and and work on creating habits and creating quality moves that translate ultimately to the game so that at the end of the day they're getting closer to their end goal whether it's earn a starting spot make the next level team get a college scholarship whatever that end goal is love it so I always follow up. This is my last question for you. Um, as an athlete and as a coach now, what have been your two greatest and like what has been your greatest influence for both aspects? As an athlete, because you said you did track, and now as a coach, what's your two? What is your greatest influence for each one? Greatest influence, meaning, tell me what you mean. Like a mentor, parents, family, whoever it may have been, to help you get to where you are as an athlete and help you to get to where you are today with, with stark performance. Okay. So hands down, like Troy, I told you my, uh, my mentor, he's just been really, really amazing in terms of 
giving me the tools that I felt like I was always looking for, but I never knew what to ask. I never knew what direction to go. So Troy, Troy really got me like, pushed me like, this is where you belong. <laughs> now go down that path. Um, I really took a lot from him and have created it more. Um, in terms of an athlete, I don't think that there is any one driving force that absolutely like changed everything. It's just, I think it's just the ability to always be immersed in whatever I could do. Um, I never got the chances to play club and play at higher levels. It's, I just didn't have those opportunities as a kid. I would have loved to, but the fact that I got to do a little bit of everything and I just got to, um, have this special drive. And, and sometimes there were families or groups that took me in when, you know, maybe I couldn't afford to play club volleyball, but they saw my potential and they'd bring me on for tournaments and stuff. So that there's, there's certain, there's certain things that I think back of and like, okay, well, people saw the drive that I had and how much I wanted it, that that's special. And I want to be able to help those athletes too, that were the little ones who, who want it more than anybody, but can't necessarily be in the position to do it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. I didn't mean for it to be over an hour. I was debating on breaking this one up, but I really felt like it's enough information and enough conversation to have in one episode. Um, the goal is to try it getting a little bit shorter, but back to this episode, Laura shared quite a bit of information about her business and her model of what she does. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have seen her on social media, but I would recommend looking her up, try following her, watch her videos. She goes over some very interesting things about body mechanics and movement. And as you listen to her, her main focus is movement and proper movement. And her system will help your players gain that proper movement just like anything if they do their homework and do what they're asked she's the coach for this she's the specialist on this so until next time see you at the pitch